For those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Felix. Um, been coming to this church for quite a while, and um, I think this is one of the verses that I've had a lot of questions about, and um, I guess it's a privilege to be sharing with you guys my journey um, on this passage, because what is this passage even talking about, right? Um, So before I start, let's pray, um, and then we'll get into it. Dear Lord, thank you for your word to us. Um, Be with us today as we look at it. Give us understanding from your spirit. Um, and Help us to know and to love you better. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so one of the things that makes me most scared about talking to people uh, telling people that I'm a Christian is talking about the end. That when Jesus returns, um, he's promised that he'll make a new heavens and a new earth, and it will be like something. Um, and if you read this chapter at face value, it'll be full of jewels and gold, and it'll be a city in the clouds, and it's all very confusing. Uh, one pretty common image in, that you see in like classical art and in political cartoons and all over the place, um, it, it kind of goes like this. What is the new creation like? Um, after you die, you get transported to this city in the clouds. It's a golden city floating on a cloud, right? Um, and as you walk towards the gate of the city, which is always described as pearly for some reason, um, there's a guy standing in front, um, usually St. Peter, um, and he has a guest list. Right? And if you're on the list, you get let in, and if you're not on the list, you get not let in. Right? Um, so you, you walk up to the gate and you give your name. He's like, okay, Felix. Right? Um, and once you get in the gate, it's full of like winged babies with harps singing praises to God, and hopefully you like singing because that's what you'll be doing for the rest of eternity. Right? Um, so that's one image of, of what eternity will be like with Jesus. Um, And you'd be forgiven for thinking that, uh, because a lot of those pictures come from this this chapter of the Revelation, right? But is that what the author was trying to say? So, um, I think to understand more clearly what this part of the Revelation is saying with all of its um, extremely stylized imagery, Uh, we have to understand what kind of text it is. So um, the way you read a weather report is definitely going to be different from the way you read um, Harry Potter or the Constitution of Australia or whatever, uh, epic poetry like Beowulf, right? So you need to know what kind of text you're dealing with. Okay, Um, so... John, in this passage, uses a whole lot of images, a lot of which don't really make that much sense. So to make sense of it, uh, we need to know where he's coming from. What, I guess, uh, my journey has been is realizing that these images are twisted versions of existing images that many people would have been familiar with, particularly Jews that he would be writing to, um, would have been familiar with. Uh, Okay, so uh, we're going to do just that today. We're going to see the old traditional image, usually from the Old Testament, 
Um, we're going to see the way that John has updated it, and we're going to use the difference between the two to see what he's trying to say. All right, so yeah, today we're putting on our HSC English hats and uh, navigating some of the imagery that gets used in the Revelation. Um, I think in, a, in this series of talks, in the Belong series, I think there's a couple left. Um, I think the, in like two weeks, right? Two, three, something like that, in a couple of weeks? Johnny told me to say this. Oh, yeah, in a couple of weeks, there will be, be another talk on um, eternity, the new creation, heaven. Um, so come back, come back then if you want to hear an actual pastor talk about that and not some dude, right? Uh, okay, so let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, all right, so I'm going to start reading from... Revelation chapter 21. If you have your Bibles open, keep them open because we're going to be using it a lot. Like imagine that, coming to church, reading the Bible, right? Um, okay, starting at verse 1. Uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, not crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So Jesus comes back, and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And then the images start, right, in verse 2. There is a city coming down from the sky, okay, and the city is a bride, all right? Um, typically, you call a, a woman a bride if she's at a wedding going to be married to a husband. Who is this husband? Um, as you might know um, from the songs and from, uh, I think, chapter 17 of the Revelation, it's Jesus. And this wedding imagery goes really well with um, verse 3 and verse 4, as uh, verse 3 is kind of the main point of today, this, that God will be with his people, um, close to them and more intimate with them than ever before. Um, kind of like at a wedding, the after... During and after the wedding, um, the bride and the groom are much closer uh, and much more intimate with each other than ever before. Um, similarly, in verse 4, there will be joy and hope for the future, just like in a wedding where um, you're happy for the bride and groom and excited, I think especially for the parents probably, um, excited for the future that they have together um, and what that will be like. So, uh, if there's one thing that you remember about this whole passage, it's that God will be with us in the new creation. Okay? Um, starting at verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. 
To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Okay. Um, who is it? So, so far, we've sort of, I've sort of jumped the gun a bit, right? I've said that we will be with Jesus. The text actually says the New Jerusalem will be with Jesus. Who actually is that? Um, and it comes in stages in this chapter in the Revelation, um, but here it makes clear that it is not everybody. It's clear here that to the thirsty, he will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Jesus often, often, sometimes, at least once, refers to himself as the water of life. Um, and that belief in him um, will result in someone that does not perish but have eternal life with him. But for those that don't, um, they will not partake in the wedding of the Lamb. Um, this is, uh, personally, this is, this is very confronting. Um, I'll come back to this later, but for now, I think it's easy for us, uh, I, I, for now I want to say this, that it's easy for us to be comfortable with a friendly God, a, an understanding God, maybe because we are a culture that tries to be understanding, um, we're okay with a God that forgives sins, um, that understands and forgives. But we are less, I think, okay. I'm less okay with a God that has power and has created the universe and demands respect. Um, and for those of us who have failed to respect him, um, I think Come back to this later, but uh, yeah, uh, he did, does demand to be respected. I said that there would be, please. I said that the question of who is the New Jerusalem happens in two stages. The first stage is that it's not everybody. And there's some sense that um, the people that have taken from the water of life, uh, those that follow Jesus will be with him, and those that don't will um, not be with him. Okay, so uh, comes in two stages, right? The second stage, let's read on. Starting at verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last plague, seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Okay, so John's making clear here at this point that we're talking about 
this question of who's, who's the new Jerusalem that will be with Jesus. Um, verse 12. Um, it had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. Okay. So, I think it would be... uh, clear to John's Jewish readers that this is... The, the t- whatever he's going to use this symbol for, he's going to be using the, twel- the 12 gates. He's going to be using the gates as symbols that represent the Jewish people. We have these 12 gates with the names of the sons, uh, with the names of the tribes of Israel. And to make that absolutely clear, there are three on the north, three on the east, three on the south, and three on the west. And this configuration is the way that the 12 tribes. Um, after they left Egypt, walked through the wilderness to the promised land. John's making absolutely clear that the the gates represent the Jews, the Israelites. In verse 14, let's read on. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So, when you have a city, uh, I guess cities back then, not so much now, cities back then often had city defenses. You have the city limits sort of marked out clearly by walls, and in those walls are gates. And together they define the limits of the city. Um, it doesn't really make sense to have one without the other. If your city is just surrounded by walls, nobody gets in or out, and usually you die of starvation. And if all you have is gates with no walls, then there's no point having the gates. People just walk around. So you need both to define the city. We said that the Jews are represented in the gates. What about the wall sections? And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the, names, were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. These are Jesus' apostles. right? And these guys represent the New Testament covenant that God has, the gospel that goes out to the nations, to all the non-Jewish believers. So what's John doing here? He's unifying the Old Testament covenant with the New Testament gospel. The Jews and the non-Jewish believers are united together um, as the city that gets married to the Lamb and is with God in the end. So, uh, I guess it was a kind of controversial question in that day. Um, Who gets to be with God in the end? Is it just the Jewish nation? Is it the non-Jewish believers? John says it's both. And we'll see this happen again. Uh, We're going to skip around a bit now. So, for the purpose of saying the same thing, keeping us on topic, this topic of Jews, and non-Jewish believers will be with God on that final day. Let's see the other part of this passage that says that. But before we go there, I want to show you guys the 
Um, I'll show you guys the existing images and symbolism that get used. Then we'll read John's version of it, and then we'll interpret that. All right. So if you've got your Bibles open, let's flip to Exodus 28, starting at verse 15. So it'll be up there as well. So this part of the Bible, uh, this part of Exodus, um, is kind of instruction for part of the clothes that the priest, the high priest, would wear. Um, it's called the breastplate of judgment. So starting at verse 15. Um, Fashion a breastpiece for making decisions, the work of skilled hands. Make it like the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen. It is to be square, a span long and a span wide, and folded double. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. The first row shall be carnelian, chrysolite, and beryl. The second row shall be turquoise, lapis lazuli, and emerald. The third row shall be jacinth, agate, and amethyst. The fourth row shall be topaz, onyx, and jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings. There are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. So according to Jewish law, the priest wears this kind of chest piece thing, and it has 12 jewels on it, and on each of the 12 jewels, are engraved the names of the tribes of Israel. Okay? So let's see how John updates that imagery. We're going to skip a few verses so that we stay on topic. Um, in Revelation 21, verse 19, it says this, The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. Does that sound familiar? So John is doing the same thing here. These jewels that are on the priest's garment have the names of the tribes of Israel. These jewels, he says, are all over the foundations of the wall of this New Jerusalem, this city, the New Jerusalem. What are the foundations? The foundations are the apostles of the Lamb. And so in the same way that he's saying, in the same way he's using the gates and the walls, he's using these jewels from the Old Testament that are engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel. He's uniting them with the foundations of this wall, right, which are the apostles. Um, and so he unites the Old Testament covenant with the gospel that goes out to all the nations. So that's the first thing that he says, that Jews and non-Jews will be united through all of this crazy imagery, Jews and non-Jewish believers are united together on that final day with God. The other thing he says in all of this imagery, or the other thing that I guess I'm deciding to talk about because there's too much in here, um, is that, uh, is what he said before in verse 3, uh, that God will dwell with us more closely and more intimately than before. Let's see how he uses imagery to achieve this. 
So we're going to do the same thing. We're going to look at the Old Testament. Um, so we're going to look at a passage um, to do with the Holy of Holies. Um, so if you want to flip with me to 1 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 20. When it gets called the Holy of Holies, gets called a bunch of names. Uh, the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, uh, gets called the inner sanctuary here. Um, and so for context, the Holy of Holies is the sort of, very roughly speaking, the Holy of Holies is the room that God lives in in the Jewish temple. Right. Everybody there yet that wants to go there? All right, starting at verse 20 in chapter 6. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 wide, and 20 high. That, for those of you who, for whom uh, high school math has been a long time ago, that is a cube. Um, remember that. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He also overlaid the altar of cedar. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold, and he extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was also overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. He also overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. Okay, so it, it is a cube that's covered in gold. Like, <laughs> most of the sentences in there were like, this thing was covered in gold and this thing was covered in gold, right? So it's a gold cube. Remember that? That's going to be important. So the Holy of Holies is the place, is the room inside which God lives um, inside the temple. Where, um, and so in some sense, God was with Israel. He lived, he lived in a room inside their temple. Um, all of life would center around um, meeting with God in this temple. But in, in another sense, he wasn't with his people particularly closely. There's this whole system of sacrifice for people to be made clean so that um, they would be presentable to God, that he would deign to associate himself with them. Um, so while God was with Israel, there's also a sense in which he was apart from them. All right? Okay, so what does John say that is relevant to this. And the one who spoke, so sorry, <laughs> uh, Revelation 21, we're back there, starting at verse 15. And the one who spoke to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are also, uh, its length and width and height are equal. That's a cube. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which was also a, an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. So we have a description of the city. Um, the city is a cube, and it is covered in gold. So what is the mix of images trying to say here? What John's saying here is that the whole city now is the Holy of Holies, not just this one room in which the temple 
inside the temple where God lives. Um, but now it's the whole city, all of its streets and homes and um, inhabitants. And this, where, where he's getting at is back to verse 3, that God will be with his people um, in a much closer way than before. Um, a, I don't actually know how long I've been going for, but I assume I don't have much time left. Um, another piece of, so I'm just going to go quickly over this, um, another piece of evidence for that is uh, verse 22. Uh, the Old Testament context is that the temple is where the people would go to meet God. Verse 22, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. There's no need for temple anymore because God is with his people more personally and more closely than certainly more personally and more closely than in that old system where he lived in this room that nobody was allowed to go in. Um, So, in summary, this second set of images, John is trying to say the same thing as verse 3, that God will dwell with us, Um, we will be his people, and he will be our God. Um, To summarize the whole thing, um, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. God will be with us like never before. And there will be joy and hope for the future, whatever that entails, because we will be with God um, and the world will not be the same. What does that mean for us now? Um, I guess application points, three things. One, this is the future that we belong in. As Christians, this is what we hope for. And we owe it to ourselves to have a clear understanding of what that means. Whether that means streets lined with gold and jewels on a cloud, or that God is with us, with both Jews and non-Jewish believers, that is for you to decide. Um, Second thing is, um, as this final day is described as a wedding, as many of you know, there is plenty of preparation to do uh, in advance of a wedding. Um, And knowing that There are people whose names are not in the book of life. We need need to be able to show them um, the joy and the hope we have in this future. Uh, We need to get the word out that this joyous future is something worth investing in. And thirdly, hopefully, if you've been following um, my line of thought as, as we've gone through this, hopefully, Um, this has drawn your attention to some of, I guess, the techniques that you can use to read the Bible and its interconnections um, as the authors of later books refer to earlier books. Hopefully this has opened up new ways of reading the Bible um, that you haven't really noticed before. Yeah, that's it. How about I to close.
Dear Lord, um, thank you that you are with us and that through your spirit we can come to you um, and try to understand your word. Um, be with us as we continue to grow closer to you and look forward to that final day where you will be with us like never before. In your name we pray. Amen.